This episode was originally recorded the day after the Uvalde, Texas elementary school shooting. We discuss gun ownership, proposed gun control legislation, and how we move forward as a country. I'm John Fender, along with Gary Humble and Kevin Kukaji. This is the Freedom Matters Podcast. Well, uh, there's a lot in the news right now, unfortunately, about guns, Second Amendment, gun control. As a dad um, with children who are in elementary school, I've had to turn the news off quite a few times this week. It's heartbreaking. And honestly, I've, I'm not a crier, but I've almost lost it like multiple times watching the news recently. Um, it, I, in fact, what got me the hardest is when they started releasing all the pictures of the kids that were sure. that passed away um, in Texas. So it's heartbreaking. Our, our prayers and um, hearts go out to the families in Texas that are dealing with all of that. Um, but I, I want to touch on our president, man. He's, he's made some statements. He went even, I don't even, did he go down there and make a speech or what, did he just make oh, a speech about it? I doubt it. Yeah, I don't I'm think sure, he went but, down there. Yeah. <laughs> because it'd be too close to the border and he doesn't well, want to be around the border. Yeah, then he'd have to make a border trip. <laughs> yep. Um, but he, he made some statements which disgustingly politicized everything. I think his speech actually started out Okay. He said some things that were like, oh, maybe this is a heartfelt, and then it immediately took a turn into just politicizing the Second Amendment and gun control. Um, but he, he went back and doubled down on the whole, the Second Amendment is not, what's the word he always uses? Not resolute. It's not... Absolute. Absolute. absolute that's it. Second Amendment is not absolute. Well, he, he's, he's referenced our entire Constitution. Right. In that way, yeah. And to, and then he goes on from there and says, you know, we, back when it was written, you couldn't you couldn't own a you couldn't own a cannon. Would you, yeah, you could. <laughs> yeah, you could Who's actually stopping you from owning a cannon. Like it doesn't say there's nothing in the second amendment that says you can't own a cannon. Um so anyway, I just I wanted to open up the conversation and just see what you guys had to say about about one his statement about the uh second amendment not being absolute. And uh, two, just kind of the overall situation and what's, what, what's happening and how it's being used. Well, let me first say to, to Biden's comment that the Second Amendment is not absolute. Nothing is absolute in this world, right? Nothing, nothing man-made is absolute. But certainly the principles that are embodied in the Constitution are far more absolute than the dither uh, that comes out of the mouth of Joe Biden. So I, my first response would be to him, well, the Second Amendment is far more reliably and demonstrably absolute than your words, mm -hmm. Mr. President. But that's what they, they always assume that we – they don't notice the contradiction. When they make a statement like that, they are implying that their words are absolute. When they say the Second Amendment is not absolute, you have to take for granted that their words are absolute. Otherwise, there's no meaning in that statement. Mm. And then you have to ask him, okay, on what authority do you say that this is not absolute? And on what authority would we ever take your words as absolute? Because if your words are not absolute, Mr. President, they mean nothing, right? That's the philosophical angle. I Before we get into the Second Amendment, I do have questions about—it's important that we ask these questions whenever these events happen. Um, because it happened in Buffalo at a supermarket right. a couple of weeks ago. right. 
Uh, we know that the left has been angling to remove the rights of law-abiding citizens to possess firearms. Um, they've been doing that for years because they know that if you can remove that right and remove our protection, then the government can finally advance and finish off any elements or any last remaining pieces of freedom that we might have. So we know that that's always their aim, and it's why the president will come out and say something immediately after an event and politicize. The left always does that. It's like they're waiting for it to happen almost with glee in their eyes. This is how sickening it is, right? That children are just collateral damage to their primary goal of removing the rights of firearm owners, legal firearm owners. So let that sink in for a minute. But as I was saying to Gary before we came in the studio today, I know from FBI agents past and present, the good ones, and there are fewer and fewer, unfortunately. Um, and as we learned from January 6th, the FBI infiltrates on purpose to give an appearance that something is going on that is not going on. And so you have to keep in mind that when these incidents happen, the guy in um, Buffalo, who professed to be, in his words, a green nationalist, Nazi, hated Jews and Christians, right? He said all of these things. We don't know whether those elements um, applied to the gentleman, uh, the dead man now, 18-year-old in Texas. But what we do know about both of them is they were both sick individuals. Mm -hmm. And what do our own government infiltrates the social media and the lives surreptitiously of those who are already pre-inclined to do these things, and they nudge, and they suggest, and they hint, right? And they always do it with their fingerprints off it, so nobody can ever prove that this has been done. But I can tell you from inside sources that that is exactly what is being done. So we can't always think that, we can't blame just the shooter. We, we need to understand that there's something far more nefarious going on. You need to be aware of something far more nefarious happening behind the scenes. And then I'll add one more comment and let Gary take it from there. I read today that the police officers did not enter the school for 40 minutes or up to an hour after the shooting started. I read that as well, but I did not read that as fact. I read that as allegedly. So I read it too, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know if it's fact, but I've read it now from a couple of different sources. That, and, that's typical from... All of these incidences that have happened, in right. incidents that have happened in the past. So what is what's interesting about that is, in the comment section of the article that I read, Epic Times I think is the one I most recently read. There was a guy in the comment section who was at another mass shooting in 1993, and he said the same thing happened to us. Mm -hmm. He said we were all former veterans and we were unarmed because we were not allowed to carry any at our place of employment. And he said it took five hours for the official authorities, the police force, to enter that building. He said, meantime, this guy was going person after person. We People were hiding because they didn't have arms to protect themselves. So I don't know what that's all about, but it's disconcerting that it takes so long for law enforcement to get there and solve the problem, which begs the question, right? All we hear when the left tells us we don't need firearms, they tell us because law enforcement will take care of that for you. Really? Five hours later, one hour later, half hour, even if you're two minutes late, if somebody possesses a firearm and is able to take care of the problem on there, how many children would have been saved? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, to your previous point, Kevin, are you are you saying that it's that it's possible that our government is acting nefariously in its own interest to push its own agenda against the will of the people? Is that what you're suggesting? I'm, I'm suggesting that we have evidence of that happening, both in January 6th, congressional testimony it came out, that they infiltrated and you, and tried to make it appear as if there's some bad actors. So they'll take someone who might have um, a hint of white nationalism in his background. So they'll, they'll focus all their attention to inspire that. And then we go to Eric Holder. Eric Holder did Fast and Furious which was running guns into Mexico so that mm. the Mexican drug, car- drug cartels, in their view, would hopefully use them against us in America so that they can say, enough, we need no more guns. So, yes, I am suggesting that, Gary. <laughs> too, much ex- too much experience of 54, almost 55 years of life to tell me that something more is going on than meets the eye. Mm. Fair enough. We'll leave that there. So, you know, one of the things that that you talked about in terms of the response time, it's why I'm so against gun against gun free zones. Gun free zones are literally the dumbest idea that any human being has ever had. You're you are literally advertising to every other human being. Come do your worst. Exactly. It's an invitation. Yes. Please come to this premise and do what you will because we have nothing by which to protect ourselves. I would I would venture to guess that if you did away with gun-free zones, you'd probably do away with at least 90% of these mass shootings that we hear about because people will not enter to these premises with with such an expectation that they will not be met with equal force, right? I saw I saw a meme online. I think actually we shared it through Tennessee Stan's uh, socials, but it was like, we protect our president with guns. We protect our yes, I've seen that Supreme Court with guns. Mm-hmm. We protect our, and it just went through this whole list of with guns, with guns, with guns, with guns. And it's like, we protect our kids with this sign, a yeah. gun, gun-free zone. Mm. Yeah, it's it's sad. It's a sad commentary. It, it It's almost as if, like you say, Kevin, like we're, you know, we're, we're inviting these tragedies. Mm-hmm. Which is the only outcome I can I can reasonably deduce from a gun-free zone. It's hard, by the way, for a well-meaning person to accept that our own government would allow what they would consider mere collateral damage, mm-hmm. right? The murdering of legally innocent people. But this is why I keep saying we have to think about this differently. Our government has declared us the enemy a long time ago. So when they do that, you look at the world a lot differently, and it helps you come to the right conclusions. You'll never come to the right conclusion if you think the government is your friend. And not that uh, a Twitter poll is in any way scientific, but actually this morning um, I was looking at one of our uh, Republican House representatives here in Tennessee, in East Tennessee, is running a poll on his Twitter feed asking folks, uh, hey, what would you think about – and I thought this is actually a really reasonable – I think it should go much further, but but his ask was, what would you think about any teacher or school administrator who is a veteran who has been bonded and trained by your local sheriff's office and has reported, you know, to the to the administration that they're going to carry? 
what would you think about allowing the teachers that have all have this pedigree to conceal carry on a campus? I'm thinking, well, that's 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 incredibly reasonable. Mm-hmm. You know, you, uh, you, uh, you stole my thunder. That was gonna be like my next my next question was about the guardian laws. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's actually sort of out there on Twitter right now. And to my dismay, here in Tennessee, forty nine percent no, and only forty percent yes. I'm like, what? And I, I, at the time I looked at the poll, there were 202 responses. I don't know where it is right now, but I'm like, how, how does anyone look at? I'm thinking any law in in my view, this is just my, my personal view, according to our Constitution. Let me read that real quick. United States Constitution, Second Amendment. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms— now listen to the last part. Shall not be infringed. Now that's that's an in, that's interesting when you read the Second Amendment. I always love focusing on that part. Shall not be infringed because the interesting thing about that statement is you don't find it in other amendments. You would assume naturally anything in the Bill of Rights should not be infringed if it's being enshrined in the Bill of Rights. The founders are communicating, you have this God, this God-given, indefeasible, unalienable right. We just want to let you know. By the way, that was a, a massive point of contention between the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists as to whether or not there should be a Bill of Rights. The, the concern was, well, if we put a Bill of Rights, people are going to erroneously think that the government is giving them Exactly. Those rights, and mm-hmm. I think that's actually where we've ended up. And they also argued, and I think it was is warranted as well, that if we start with the Bill of Rights, anything we don't include will be assumed wrongly to be possessed by the government rather than to be – notwithstanding the Ninth and Tenth Amendments – rather than to be reserved to the people. Yes. and uh, But the other argument was, well, gosh – but if we don't put anything down, people won't know these rights exist. So, okay, valid argument, right? Anyway, the the uh, the folks went out to put uh, enshrine our initial ten uh, our bill of rights, which is our first ten amendments. And but but that said, I just I find it interesting when you read the Second Amendment that phrase shall not be infringed. It's almost as if to say the founders wanted to ensure, yes. We are communicating to you that you have these rights as a people given to you by God, pre-governmental, pre-constitutional. They are your rights, and they should all not be infringed. But by gosh, this Second Amendment, we just want to make absolutely certain that you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, it should not be infringed. The way I interpret that when I look at the situation in, in schools, personally, I think every law-abiding citizen has a right to bear arms, period, in all circumstances. I would support any any law-abiding citizen in our schools to carry. And there's a reason for that, by the way, <clears throat> which we should elaborate for those who are not aware. It's connected to property rights. All of the other rights that are discussed in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights— all of the rights that we talk about from the Declaration of Independence, our God-given rights, they only find their meaning to the extent they can be protected and defended. Gary, you don't have a property right, and John doesn't have a property right if some if I can come and take your property from you. Yeah. So it's implied that your property right comes with a right to protect that. And by the way, as James Madison made clear, 
Our property right is not just in the physical, tangible property. It's in our ideas. There again, we have the right to protect ourselves and those ideas from someone who would usurp his power and seek to condition or trample those ideas. So absolutely, I think the reason they made that so clear, shall not be infringed, was all of the other statement of rights make no sense if you don't have the means by which you can protect yourself and protect those rights. And that is why it's so important to the left to destroy and eviscerate this right, because once that falls, then all of our other so-called enshrined rights cease to matter. We can't keep them. We don't have the ability to keep them. We have to trust someone else to keep them for us. So let me let me put my devil's advocate shoes on. They're pretty nice. Thank you. Little, little red, They're pointy. Like, yeah, ruby red. <laughs> Click them three times. Biden shows up. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> oh, so go down to the border. You ought to click them at the border. Maybe Biden will show up there. Uh, let, let's just assume that Biden's statement is correct. The Second Amendment is not absolute. He Wait. Want, he want, Before you play devil's advocate, why would you assume something that's not true to be correct? I'm just trying to play the other side right now to hear what you say to this. Let's let's say right. let's say I'll let the birdie up before I shoot it down. They, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> let's say they want to make some changes to what is what is and what is not allowed to be. They want owned. to who's who that's defined they. Well, obviously they is who they the, the ones that think they're in charge right now. Okay. So the federal government They want to make the ones who think they won the election. Yeah, correct. <laughs> okay. Uh, they they want to uh decide what you can and cannot own. Now, I've heard the argument said that the reason why they would do that is because if you go back to when the second amendment was written, there is no possible way that the founding fathers could even rationalize the type of weapons that are available these days. Well, first of all, that is such a bad straw man argument, not making it against you, but um, they I, make that argument because— I'm bringing it up because I've heard it. At the time of our founding, the weapons that the people possessed were every bit as technologically advanced as the weapons that the military had, and that was the point. They, they absolutely knew. It's an insult to their intelligence to suggest that they didn't. But they may not have known what could come in the future. But then that doesn't matter what comes because it was always going to be balanced. Whatever the military have, the people must well, I, have I, I, to be I, I able to protect it. themselves. I see what you're saying. You can't give the government more powerful weaponry e than the citizens. Equal force. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And the other thing I would say is when— <laughs> I, yeah, I, let me just pause there. Don't 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 okay. forget your thought. Let me not mess you up. But I think that was just a great point you just made. I've actually never heard it explained. I, I've that never way. heard that either. You know, the fact that I, I think it was it was it it is absolutely so John, you're correct. Could the founders have ever imagined the kind of military firepower? Probably not. Right. I mean, in their minds back in the 1700s, probably not. But I think what Kevin said is brilliant. It's absolutely correct. The founders had to assume that the people should always be able to equally match their government. I th I, that is one of the most basic fundamental founding principles I can, I can imagine that the founders would have thought at the drafting of the Constitution. That in their minds, the ability of the people to always and forever be able to keep their government in check is a must. So if the government has it, the people should have access to well, it. Well, I don't think that stands nowadays, though. <clears throat> like, I can't own Stinger missiles. No, you can't. But that's that shows you how far we've, how far we've gone. We've yeah. already fallen to the left so far, and they're just chipping away, and they, that's in the 
the mindset of people when they think, oh, yeah, well, I don't have a tank and I don't have, a, in the old days, an SR-71 spy Or I plane. guess my question is, could I own Stinger missiles? If I had the money to do it, could I buy some? I think they're illegal yeah, for they're... citizens to own. Okay, but... all right. Yeah, no, your government controls you now, I'm John. just asking for a friend. How so, do you miss that so part? All we're... <laughs> yeah, so our <laughs> argument should really be, look, all we're asking for is for us to be able to keep the limited magazines, the semi-automatics that we're allowed to have, because government, you already have... <laughs> Stingray missiles. You already have nuclear F-18s weapons and F 35s, nuclear weapons, right? But I can't have more than 10 bullets in my gun, yeah. please. And it's no. got to be a pistol. It can't be a. Uh. Hmm. It's, 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 it's insane where we are. Well, so where we are, let's put that in perspective with Tennessee. our state. <laughs> yeah. How, how does, let's say that Biden tries to do something crazy or the current administration tries to do something crazy. You mean something else crazy? Well, an additional <laughs> right. crazy. Correct. <clears throat> What do we have in place as a state of Tennessee to uh, protect any any of those rights? Yeah. So, and, and I, I want to preface, I want to reiterate this gun. I just want to close the loop on the gun-free, look, the gun-free zone thing. I personally believe, now, I'm sure there's a lot of people, even conservatives, that are going to disagree with what I might say. Maybe, I guess. I'm guessing. I believe the more... The idea the left has is, is get rid of guns, right? That's the idea. Get rid of guns. Stop the gun violence. I, I'm of the thought that— For law-abiding citizens. They're that, okay. They're okay if the criminals right. have them, just not that's us. Right. That's right. The more—so, yes, let me use that language. In my view, the more law-abiding citizens you have legally carrying weapons in every imaginable place, my view is— the less crime you will have. Because in because the less of these mass shootings and incidents you will have. What you what you essentially have at that point, to the language of the constitution, you have a militia. Yes. They're armed. And you have a self-governing people. Yeah. That's and correct. That's what we are. Or we're founded to be. And you know, this isn't a, a foreign idea. Look, our military operates on the idea of uh, mutually assured destruction. We've always done that. Like I've got, like just so you know, Russia, if you launch that nuclear weapon, we're going to destroy you too. Like mm-hmm. that's always been the idea. I and that was one of the most fascinating things. Gosh, I'm not going to rabbit trail, but in we, my family did this crazy thing. We we toured the we toured the Southwest for almost a year in an RV. It was awesome. If you can do it, please do it. It was the best year of my life. But one of the things that I did in Arizona, I toured the one of the Titan missile silos. We had fifty back in the in the sixties and whenever it was. We before the Cuban Missile Crisis or after the Cuban Missile Crisis, we. The United States installed 54. There were 18 in Tucson, 18 in Little Rock, and 18 in Wichita, Kansas. These missile silos with a nuclear warhead that contained more firepower than nine times all of the firepower and ammunitions that was used in World War II. Hmm. We had 54 of those missiles ready to fire it there and i toured the facility I and mean, you imagine the guy you know the guy sitting there with the red button yeah that was real there actually was a dude in 54 locations in the united states ready to push a red button to take everybody out you know should russia or or whoever launch a nuclear weapon the the point is those th- don't exist anymore they they well they're because there's other <laughs> silos I- 
Those 50, well, I, they say they don't. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, wait, finish your thought, because can we put a little asterisk here, because I want to give you guys a, a history, not only of our nuclear posture or the decline of our nuclear posture, but I also want to talk about missile defense and why that actually got us off the terrible track of mutually assured destruction. And had we followed the missile defense plan that was put in place by Ronald Reagan in the early 80s, we would never have had to have nuclear weapons again. So it could have achieved and, that. And this is why I love the Freedom Matters That's podcast. why I love this show, because we went from gun control to nukes like that. <laughs> I've got so but, much to say on that, though. It would take another episode, but, but, so we'll but, come back to it. Yeah, well, I'm, I would know, but I'm going to pivot to you and let you talk. But the reason that I'm mentioning this, this is literally the crux of the human situation. I think mutually assured destruction is a very natural and human response to aggression. Well, gosh, I'm not going to go after that guy because, well, he can take me out too. I think that's what guns are all about. This idea of gun control and taking guns away from law-abiding citizens is a really stupid idea. And it's why you continue to see these mass killings in grocery stores and in schools. Based on the concept of mutual destruction. That's right. That's what you're, yeah. Ver versus, that makes if, sense. versus if you're a bad guy. And you walk into a situation realizing that, hell, everyone else has a gun too. I'm probably – that it might not be a good idea for me to pull mine out. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a very human natural response. So I'm always because – of who, because of what I understand – again, I'm going to bring this up, John. You, you mentioned this a few episodes ago. Federalist 6, mm. Alexander Hamilton, the natural depravity of man. Wait, John – Brought up Federalist Six. I I didn't call it Federalist Six, nor did nor did <laughs> I, I, I was quote say, it. You you really had a I, quick learning. Curve. I did not quote it. All I said was, "What's that thing you always say, Gary?" <laughs> okay. <laughs> but when Hamilton acknowledges as they're setting the tables of why we need a centralized government, why we need a constitution, because men are ambitious, vindictive, and rapacious, and that's how our founders understood the human condition. As such, this this is literally the, the groundwork for the Second Amendment. It's why we have a God-given right to defend our property and to defend our lives for the Constitution. And if every bad guy out there knew that our Second Amendment was firm and that most Americans carry and that there were no gun-free zones, I promise you with, with absolute assurance – all of these mass killings would would dry up and go away in a moment. Yeah, would they, some of them would, would they though? Oh, they would. Some I mean, of some of them would never start, but the ones that do start would be would cut end off after so quickly. the first death. Yeah, you wouldn't have nineteen, twenty-one people. Okay, killed all right. Yeah, the 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 volume mm -hmm. of of death and carnage would probably would and go that's down. the volume that they that because the left some of these, counts on to push their marketing plan to get rid of the guns. Some of these guys are coming in whether they don't care whether they live or die. Sure. So, some of them are on a suicide mission. Sure, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm. That, I get that, that was my point. But yeah. but to Kevin's point, you would that's you fair. Would cut that down on the actual loss of life. By the way, not only Federalist Six, but also the Bible says something about the, right? the heart of man no and our original oh, sinful well, yeah. condition. There's the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, t Gary, tell us about. I, I really want to save the the nuclear posture discussion for a different episode only because I would take too much time doing it. Mm. Sometimes we say, what are we going to talk about in here? If you can yeah. put that down, John, I'd love to do that. But I want to hear about the Tennessee statutes and our, Gary, what's the status of our constitutional carry? Do we have it in Tennessee? Do we not? 
and then I'd love, I'd love I guess, to know about that little piece of legislation that you said didn't pass that John and I got all excited. I wasn't pointed enough with my question to Gary about Tennessee. So there, that Kevin took it for me. <laughs> okay, so we're back to Tennessee. Yeah, so two things I'll, I'll talk about. One, constitutional carry. Um, you'll hear the governor and certain legislators tout the fact that um, you know, they got it done this year. We passed constitutional carry. Well, no, we did not. Okay, so explain that because you mentioned this before we started recording and I purposefully did not ask you about it because I wanted to hear you talk about it while we recorded. So explain what you just said. Well, well, first, let's define constitutional carry. What is that? Constitutional carry would mean simply that every law-abiding citizen not currently serving time, right? <laughs> if, if you are a law-abiding <clears throat> citizen, you have a constitutionally secured right outside of due process, being convicted of some sort of crime or reason that you should not be allowed to carry, um, which is a thing. We, our Constitution does protect the, uh, the people's right to due process. That you should be legally allowed to carry a firearm beginning uh, at the age of 18. In my mind, that's constitutional carry, period. And it doesn't require permission from the government. It doesn't require a license. It requires nothing because the Constitution guarantees it. And it's just, it's just that simple. That's constitutional carry. Does the Constitution put an age on it? No, and that's a great point. But I don't know what it's called, the age of consent, or what, what it's it, – there's a term for it. We call it in contract law the age of majority. Age of majority. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. yeah I mean, so it, so that's what we've all agreed to, right, in the United States is that the age of majority is 18. Eight, 18, you know, you're working, you're voting, you know, you're not drinking. No, <laughs> you know? Well, say. that's that's another contention. <clears throat> yeah. but you can't like, rent a car. Yeah. You can't, yeah, you can't yeah. rent a car and you can't so drink. 25. But you can vote for your president and you can die in a war. And you so can go that's, to war. Yeah. It's hard to argue with with the constitutional carry not being at 18. Well, if, I can well, well, in terms of constitutional carry, if you can go to war, that's what I'm saying. That's, you that's, can carry a weapon. That's what man. I was about to say. It's hard to argue with that. If you yeah. can, if they can throw an M16 in your arms and say go go yep. shoot people. Yeah. So so what we passed in Tennessee is better phrased as permitless carry. All right. So what the law currently says is you can carry without a permit 21 and over. 18 to 21 if you are active military. Okay, so that's the caveat. So that right there, just flat out, that's not constitutional carry because there's a qualification for the age of majority that you must be active military to carry. So it's 21 and up for everybody else. Um, also— Is that such a bad thing, though? John, that's a slippery slope. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not asking. Look, I'm not. How about dogs? Should There's you have? A, a, should, I'm not should there be an age limit it. to have a a dog protect your property? I I can't fire a dog at somebody from a distance so, and kill them. So you're suggesting that the right to protect your property depends upon the power of the weapon? I'm not suggesting the right to protect your property. I'm suggesting the right to carry a firearm. There's a big difference between an 18 year old. Just a flat-out 18-year-old and an 18-year-old that's gone through boot camp. I agree. And been trained on a weapon. But, like I, but, I, there's a big difference. Okay, oh, but, I, but let, oh, me I ask, agree. let me ask this Agreed. question, though. Whose job is it to make sure that that person does or doesn't carry a firearm before he's prepared? The government or the family? The family, 100%, okay. but that's not happening. So if it doesn't happen—well, that's the government's argument all the time, though. The government will kick the family— 
kick yeah. the family, kick the family, and then say the family's not doing it, so the government has to. Well, and I, I think we have to fight back and say the family is capable, and even though the family has been decimated, we can't take the family's right away. Like your family, my family, Gary's family shouldn't lose the right because the government has destroyed my neighbor's family. Agree. I agree. So the issue here is I'm not – hear me. I'm not qualifying this based on the way that we feel culturally is right or wrong. I'm, I'm qualifying constitutional carry based purely on the Constitution. Okay. All right? So, yes – is is an eighteen year old that's been military trained probably a little bit more responsible than than your normal eighteen year old? Yeah, completely agreed. But that's not what I'm. That's not the point. Okay. In terms of the the rule of law in our constitution. So uh, the other issue with our permitless carry in Tennessee, the reason it's permitless carry is twenty one and up. It's also you lose the the ability to permitless carry if you have been convicted of one DUI. In a five-year span, are two DUIs in a ten-year span. Now, to many conservatives, that seems prudent and and fair. Well, yeah, if you if you're drinking and driving, you shouldn't be carrying a gun. I would say, what does having been convicted of a DUI have anything to do with your lawful right to carry a firearm? That is constitutionally protected. Well, except um, at that point, you're not a law-abiding citizen anymore. Uh, that's true, except the caveat of you know one in five years, two in ten years. So I just I that's not again that's not constitutional carry. The the two last pieces about our Tennessee law is one, the permitless carry only applies to handguns, so you can't carry permitless a long gun, right? So of any. Of any sort. Any sort. Just a handgun. Shotguns? Nope. Nope. The permitless carry bill pertains to handguns only. only. So if you want to carry a shotgun out of your home, yeah. you have to have a permit. I suppose. Because the permitless carry bill applies only, only to handguns. Again, not constitutional carry. And lastly, there are still, I think, like parks in different places in right. Tennessee that the permitless carry does not apply. You are still required to not only have a concealed carry permit, but an enhanced permit. We have two types of permits in Tennessee. We have a, a concealed carry, and we have the enhanced carry, which I think requires like an eight-hour all-day course or something like that to get the enhanced carry. I must have the enhanced because my wife and I took a course. You I took did. a course, too. I, I took the eight-hour. I have the enhanced. Then, then you and have they always the enhanced. Just, yeah, and he always told us not to call it a concealed carry. It's just a carry, carry permit. Yeah, carry so you have permit. an enhanced. Which yeah. answers my question then. So because there are still exceptions, you're you're saying that I should renew this when it comes up yes. to expire. I, I can't depend upon permitless. Actually, there are two reasons you should have a permit, in my opinion. One is the enhanced permit, yes, allows you to carry everywhere that it's lawful in Tennessee to carry, you know, unlike a simple concealed carry permit, which you can get, you can just take a simple online course to get. The second reason to to have a permit is uh, for reciprocity with other yeah. states. Uh, yeah, yes, that's right. So which I've in, used <clears throat> a couple of times. Yeah, so in Tennessee, while we have a permitless carry law that does not grant you reciprocity <clears throat> into other states that require you to have a license. That's right. So Good point. Yeah, so reciprocity is a is a, a key issue. And that won't get solved until we have a national, right, a national constitutional carry. That would be the only thing that would fix. And would Congress ever pass constitutional carry and reciprocity in the United States? Nope. Um, probably not. They nope. shouldn't have to, though, if the Constitution were upheld. 
No kidding. We already have a national <laughs> right to bear arms. No kidding. We have oh, national man. reciprocity, but we don't. Um, well, the good news is most of the surrounding states in Tennessee have reciprocity with Tennessee. So, yes, I've checked. As long as you have the your your permit. Yes. Correct. Yeah, I've checked yeah. that out. Whenever I've gone traveling, carrying yeah. firearms, I'm always, uh-oh, better make sure I'm going through states that I'm going to be okay. Yep. So so that's our, our constitutional carry versus permitless carry situation in Tennessee. All right. The second point I wanted to make, the, the bill you mentioned, Kevin— which I, God, that would have been so amazing. It, it's such a common sense bill. Uh, it was carried. I was actually in person in the committee when he presented the bill. Representative uh, Chris Todd out of Madison County, uh, which is, I think is a Jackson, Tennessee. Um, he had a bill, you know, in Tennessee, a, a private property owner uh, has a right to post no weapons allowed on this property. You, you walk into a grocery store, bank, you know, whatever, any kind of facility that has this sign posted, you know, per TCA, whatever it is, you can't carry on this property, which, you know, a property owner has a right to do, you know. I don't like it, but I, I agree with it. I think a private property owner has that right. Okay, I'm just, I'm going to say that. It just makes me want to get in and out of there fast. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> However, I thought this bill was common sense. If you post as a private property owner that a law-abiding citizen cannot carry a firearm on your premise, then you also have to legally accept any liability for any unlawful actions that happen on your property that could have been thwarted or prevented yeah. by the fact that you have law-abiding citizens carrying firearms that's, on your property. That's just such a brilliant piece of legislation. Who do we need to give credit to him again for trying. Representative Chris Todd out of Madison Chris County. Chris Todd, thank you for doing that. You're Sorry that it didn't pass, but brilliant. Yeah. You know, simple. That failed in committee. Uh, I thought that was so common sense. You know, yes, fine. You have a right to say you can't carry firearms, but you also have to accept the liability of the taking of life or the criminal activity that might happen on your property for forbidding these people to carry firearms on your on your property. Um, we need good legislation like that. I fully supported that. So just a couple of things I wanted kind to bring up. Wait, it just makes me think of an analogy. At, just a quick one anyway. It's like getting on an airplane, right? An aircraft that says, letting the people know as they get on, aircraft not full of fuel, right? Don't have enough fuel maybe to get to my destination. Just so you know. Just so you know in advance. <laughs> it's their right, private business, and you have the right to get on that plane or not get on the plane. Yeah. But... If that plane goes down for running out of fuel, you can guarantee that there would be class action suits by every family member that was killed on that airplane. Oh. So I think it's similar. Dan, we may not have time for this because we've gone a while already. Maybe you can sum this up quickly. Maybe not. But I have a question okay. on a statement you just made. You made the statement that it's a private property owner's right to not let me bring a gun into their, their on their property. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm playing devil's advocate here. The audience is probably going to start hating me. Do it, John. Do it. <laughs> What's the difference in that and them requiring you to wear a mask in their private property business? I would say to that, so there, So currently, most people, I have a good answer for that. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> can you do it quickly or do we need to do this no, at a different no, time? I can, no, I can do it in about in less than five minutes. Okay. And I've got a couple comments on it, but go okay. ahead. Most, most people, I would say, have conceded that a private property owner has a right to make you wear a mask. Just mm -hmm. you know, And they've compared it to, 
you know, you you the the main argument you'll hear is, well, private property owner has a right to make you wear shoes and a shirt. Like right. we've accepted that for or no smoking, you know, right. whatever. So why can't they make you wear a mask? And I think most people have conceded that argument. My pushback to that is this. It's the fact that a mask is not an article of clothing. It is a medical device. But neither but, is a gun. Yeah, no, well, yeah, but that's a whole, that's a different situation. Let's stick to the mask. Okay. I mean, let me stick to the mask for a minute. When we ran SB 320, which would have prevented any place of public accommodation from requiring you to wear a mask or take a shot or use a vaccine passport, mm-hmm. right? Which, again, people separate masks from vaccines. The, the problem <laughs> is, is that the, the requirement to wear a mask is and only is a medical requirement. It's not an article of clothing and it has nothing to do with public indecency. It is a medical treatment. It is, we are requiring you to wear a medical device for the purpose of preventing the spread of some communicable disease. So your argument would be more, it's, it's more of a medical freedom issue? Medical freedom issue. Okay. You, it, it, the, the wearing of a mask is, in essence, legally can only be described as a requirement for the use of a medical device. And I would say constitutionally, no private property owner has a right to require well, and, and hang on a second. There's a distinction here. Because understand there there's a difference between your private property and the distinction of being a place of public accommodation. And I think that's what people get confused about. If you open a business that is open to the public, a bank, a grocery store, a restaurant, a coffee shop, a gas station, you name it, something that is open to the public, you have officially allowed yourself per federal law and state law to be designated as a place of public accommodation. And places of public accommodation are regulated as non you – know, you can't discriminate mm. you know, based on race, sex, religion, and all the, the things. When you – designate your private property as a place of public accommodation, you accept all of those additional restrictions on your property. So to that end, I would say the right for someone to make their own medical decisions as a part of their human rights is part of that discrimination distinction in a place of public. Now, your home is so that's why I wanted to make that distinction. Yeah, that makes sense. Your home is different. I've I've not made my home a place of public accommodation. If I don't want you in here, brother, you ain't coming in here. Yeah. I'll I'll pull out my I'll pull out my gun. Mm-hmm. You know, like you ain't coming in here. All right. But if I if I open a business and designate my private property as a place of public accommodation, I've now subjected myself to being required to follow those non-discrimination policies. Okay, so there's a difference between private property and a place of public accommodation. There is a distinct difference in law. Let me me add something else that's a practical effect, too. The masks, for all of the arguments that we've heard by even our Republican, uh, those who we thought were representing us, should have been representing us, remember, they always told us that you can go to another store if you don't want to wear a mask. Right. And To which my reply was, no, I can't. Every store. Because they're all doing it. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's not doing that with regard to firearms. Right. So I, I think there's a, uh, aside from the theoretical argument, which I think Gary makes a really good point, 
there is the practical effect of the government has persuaded and induced through a big lie everybody to require this, but then tries to accept itself from liability or culpability by saying, well, it's not us, it's just the business. But that's not happening in a parallel fashion with respect to establishments that say you can't carry firearms in here. They're much more rare. There's a lot more places we can go with our firearms. That's true. But but during all of COVID, we couldn't go anywhere without somebody trying to make us wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. It's a great question, though. Well, it's a hey, very good question. Those are good-looking devil shoes. I, some people are going to hate me for it. Some people are going to love me for it. But it's kind of what I'm here for, so... And uh, if Joe Rogan wants to show up and be here for it, too, he can anytime he wants. In devil shoes? If he wants to, I don't care. We can talk about his devil shoes. Uh, All right. Well, thanks, guys. See you next week. Thanks. Yep. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Matters podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. And remember, as revolutionary Thomas Paine once stated, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting it.